Hello you. Welcome to this space. I'm your host Ruth and this is No Time for Small Talk. The podcast where we unpack the more complex and deeper aspects of life and explore taboo topics with curiosity and open discussion. We will be delving into mental and physical health, addiction, trauma, birth, death, and pretty much anything else we can dive to the depths of. If you have found your way here, I'm sure you are searching for something deeper, and I hope these conversations provide you with enlightening perspectives, comfort, education, and a smile or two. So wherever you are listening, welcome and enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of No Time for Small Talk. This week I am back with another guest episode and today I'm joined by my brother Finbar who is here to speak about the topic of depression. Finbar is working as a technical director of Renewable Energy Consultancy Firm. He is a published author and poet. He volunteers for an astronomy educational charity and is an avid rock climber and guitar player. So hello Finbar, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. It's been a long day, but here we are. <laughs> here we are, to do a podcast at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Great. We always used to do my radio shows like late in the evening, actually, so it was like kind of comforting to like be in front of... It would be weird to be in front of a mic in the morning. Hmm. Fair enough. I've only ever recorded, I think, once in the morning, too, so... Yeah. Right. Well... I wanted to ask you to come on the podcast to speak about depression because I know that you've had personal experience with depression throughout your life and for me depression is something that I have experienced but it's never been long lasting it's always been a short blip yeah and then I've come through it and so for the purpose of the podcast I thought it would be really great to speak to someone who has had that experience and has tools to use in lots of different situations throughout your life with experiencing depression. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought it would be really nice if we could start with you just sharing with us and with the listeners just whatever you feel comfortable with about your experience with depression throughout your life. Yeah, cool. Um, Well, I guess I don't remember the first time that I was depressed. Um, So it probably would have been like when I was super young right but I also just don't really have memories from that age because of like whatever kind of trauma or stress or whatever was going on at the time and so I would say like I kind of just remember like being a teenager and like being feeling real shit all the time and not really having a word for how I felt you know especially like a young teenager or whatever and it was actually kind of like when the chaos in my life had decreased a little bit that this really started to come to the fore Mm. do you know um like when uh yeah like when all of the madness that had been going on around kind of receded and and uh things were um let's say the chaos was further away from me or um i was kind of doing my own thing or whatever and kind of a bit overlooked with everything that was going on in some ways I, that was very rambly sorry um 
yeah so i guess that for me i kind of realized sometimes in in those teenage years that there was a word for how i just kind of felt most of the time right so i guess like for me it was um i was either experiencing joy or depression right and um those like normally you're you've got joy is one of many many emotions that we might feel all of the time right so we might be you know sad or we might be angry or we might be whatever or we might just be happy or content or or just engrossed in things or whatever Mm. but if i wasn't like really um happy you know really joyful let's say then i was feeling um depressed and it would kind of go then in cycles after a while so it would go through cycles of um of being uh like super super up and like absolutely just unstoppable and then being like super super down and being like inconsolable and um and i guess kind of feeling this uh lens over how i saw the world so so i guess my feeling of depression is very much that it's kind of like a twofold effect um you've got a lens like a gray lens over your life so which makes everything seem absolutely shit but you also at the same time have this impression that actually you are seeing things clearly and everyone else is seeing the world through rose-tinted glasses Mm. does that make sense Mm. yeah it makes sense but i've never heard it from that perspective yeah so um so that's my feeling is that like you you kind of have this feeling of like why are these people like you know seeing this the world as in this kind of positive light or whatever can't they see how terrible everything is etc right um and and i guess that like yeah it was only in my early 20s when it started to kind of manifest and interact with other things like at some point i was like jesus christ i'm drinking way too much and mm. um i don't cut that out for like a year and a half and then i was in a real terrible relationship for a long time and um all those kind of things so it's kind of only coming out of those things maybe i don't know five or six years ago um so i was you know in my mid-20s that i kind of started to more effectively deal with the depression because i guess you also can't it's very hard to deal with something like depression which is a little bit abstract and requires a lot of kind of lifestyle change things when you're just kind of surrounded by terrible things happening as well Mm. do you know Mm. um yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like it's that same way for kind of any mental health struggle or yeah mental health struggle it's very hard to make any change if the stress is still around you all the time or the factors that are contributing to you feeling a certain way don't go away yeah and depression's a weird one right because sometimes i have to even look at myself and going like am i depressed or is life just shit do you know Mm. um i don't mean life for everyone but i mean my life in that moment right Mm. and sometimes it's just life being shit you know right like sometimes i go like this is depression and then a couple of days later i'm like oh no wait this isn't depression this is just something around about something that's going on that i need to change but do you feel because you've experienced periods of time where you have been depressed or you've been depressed for quite a while that then when something bad is just happening 
like momentarily it's really hard for you to recognize that it's just that rather than you going into like a depression spiral less and less with time that's less and less difficult over time mm-hmm. with more experience and more solidity in myself and having a bigger toolbox of things that I can do as well and also like just earlier recognition mm. right um early on it definitely would have been like something real bad happening could just knock me and send me into a depressive spiral for sure mm. um but it wouldn't always do you know like mm. it wasn't like consistently like that like every time something bad happens I would get depressed not at all like Sometimes real shit things would happen and you'd just be completely unfazed by them. Well, I mean, not unfazed. I mean, they, they might be traumas or they might be whatever or you might deal with them effectively, but they they might not have been linked with kind of depression cycles. Mm. For me, anyway. Mm. So do you feel like you can pinpoint the first time you... Like now, looking back, I know you said when you were younger you didn't know that it was depression or that you felt depressed, but can you pinpoint now, looking back, when you first experienced being depressed no i can remember the first time i vocalized it so i think i was 14 the first time i said like i'm feeling depressed Mm. and i was told that i wasn't depressed actually Mm. so by the person i said that to and what was that feeling when you vocalized that to you what were you feeling at that time that made you know or feel that you were depressed um well i would say that you've got this um for me, it, it comes across as like a very a dulling of so many things. So like a lot of the time people will say that um, that depression is not feeling bad. It's an absence of feeling, right? I don't really strictly agree with that. I would say that it's mostly an absence of positive feeling, but I'm still able to quite sharply feel most um i'm gonna say negative feelings here but i mean sadness is not necessarily negative right it's just on that um side of the spectrum of Mm. of feeling right like feelings aren't necessarily positive or negative uh, at all right but i could always um i could always feel sadness even if i was like in deep depression when i was completely unable to feel happiness and so sometimes you go for sadness so that you can feel something Mm. do you know and that's i think why fucking sad music is so cathartic do you know like in my uh early 20s the album i listened to the most by far was called tomorrow's nearly yesterday and every day is stupid which i really recommend it's a great (laughs) album but i mean it's just completely desperately miserable Mm. you know because it was a way to connect to feelings and emotions and not just be completely numb all the time Mm. um yeah and then i think there's other another way to react to that which is like you've got this kind of numb sense on all your positive things but the negative things can still be quite sharp so some people try to numb those as well and i in in my opinion that's where depression and substance abuse kind of tie in really strongly yeah um but also that you know can be that um that substance abuse and depression are just both caused by the same thing and they're not caused by each other necessarily Mm, yeah what would you think they were both caused by? If they're both caused by the same, both caused by the same thing. In my instance, or in people generally. In your opinion, or in your instance, I guess. It's a <laughs> curious question, like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trauma, trauma. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I think, um, well, for me, it was uh, having uh, 
an addict around when I was growing up, I mm. would say. Um, and the kind of ways that I had to react to that uh, emotionally and the behavioural patterns that I had to create in order to protect myself as a child, which then as a teenager and as an adult, that kind of part of your programming then, and that's not necessarily serving you anymore, but it, you mm. can't just switch those on and off, right? Mm. Because things that you learn when you're a little kid or even a slightly bigger kid are very, very hard to erase. Yeah. So, so in the sense of like, the strategy if you want to say of like shutting down like would you say that that's something you use shutting down so then that turned into not feeling things or yeah um i would say that it's almost compartmentalizing so sometimes you will well sometimes i would have put my emotions into a box and put them far away because mm. there was nobody there to deal with them mm right like and there were a lot of things going on that I felt that I as a child needed to deal with like other people's emotions yeah right so if you kind of don't recognize I, I still to this day find it very very difficult to say what am I feeling some of the time oh, interesting. do you know and I work very very actively on that but um it's it's real hard actually mm. and the more out of touch I am with what my feelings are the closer I am to depression a lot of the time mm. It's yeah. really interesting. Mm. I was just thinking it's it's interesting how uh, similar things can lead to different ways of coping and then mm -hmm. different mental health struggles. Like for me, mine, which I've spoken about on the podcast before, is anxiety. That's my main one. Mm -hmm. I'm just constantly anxious and mm -hmm. I do all my tools to try and be less anxious. But it's the same thing. You know, it, it all goes back to the same place. And it's interesting when you're speaking about this um feeling responsible for other people's emotions as a child mm -hmm. because mine was the same as that feeling that same feeling but then mine went into so then trying to like hyper fixate on everything and fix everything and, and anxiously worry about everyone's stuff and then you know overthinking everything and mm -hmm. constantly mm -hmm. um yeah it's funny right that instinct to be anxious. to be the fixer is definitely one that i also ended my, like ended up with mm. and that is a really dark thing you know to mm. feel the need to fix things because you end up in so many situations like you just seek out unfixable problems yeah right like i mean if you if you if you think about that like i um yeah i was just i was in this relationship for many years with somebody that i feel like i was trying to fix them because i couldn't fix the addict in my life when I was mm. a child yeah. and um, then as, as soon as I left that I went into fighting climate change which is just like the most like you're just yeah. never gonna win right yeah so um, so this this instinct to fix things I think can be like could be really good if it's used in the right way yeah and also can be a real curse I think yeah and it's and it's really interesting that as you say we we both got that, but our reactions to that instinct are just deeply different, mm. do you know? Um, and part of that is the scale that we attack that problem at, right? Because you're going to like fix things immediately around you all the time, whereas I look for like big problem, spend a really long time hacking away yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah, true. And I, I find it also interesting the different, because <clears throat> I don't know if, if you get like any anxiety much either, but I, I've heard before about these two different ways of um, 
like when you're really overwhelmed or really stressed mm. anyone who's experienced any sort of trauma trauma has two kind of paths to take and it's either like you go hyper i just can't remember the wording but it's either hyper whatever the thing is or hypo and so mm. it's either like you shut down and you can't do anything and you just physically like you stop being able to think properly and you stop being able to even figure out what to do and you like a lot of people will get depressed then or you get really hyper fixated on doing all these different things to make everything better and then you go into this really like adrenaline fueled even days or weeks or months of just this constant stress and anxiety of just go 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 I have to fix everything I have to do everything so it's yeah. really interesting as well the two different different ways of different um processes and different unhelpful coping strategies i guess yeah and i guess for me like it's been it would depend where those things hit in the kind of cycle of where i am mentally do you know if i'm more up or more down at that time i i'm much more these days on an even keel Mm. so i'm much more in the middle but occasionally i'm still i i guess like most uh, our grandmother used to our babcha used to um have what they called like manic depression right which is now mm. bipolar mm-hmm. people would call it and i've never been diagnosed with bipolar but i've seen those behaviors and yeah. i self-diagnosed as a possible bipolar person yeah. right um and i definitely see myself as being in like kind of cycles of like being really really up or really down and most of the times when things have really hit me they've hit me when i was down and it's triggered what you'd probably call like a major depression um but a couple of times it's hit me when i was like really up right and actually my experience is that if you can push through it that's a fucking useful tool right Mm -hmm. because like it's that's pushed me through some really really intense times around you needed to and successfully did then achieve a lot right but it then taught me a horrible lesson which is that if you push hard enough you can do anything right and then last year that's what happened was i got hit with a massive overwhelm in the midst of this like period of mania Mm. and i went nuts like i was working Mm. so much and like traveling to different countries for work and also like you know living in different places as well and like i think in one point i was in nine different countries in eight weeks yeah right and like working full-time as well right and like all these like visits and factory things and growing our team and all this kind of crazy stuff um and yeah that was when i just had an absolutely savage burnout mm. so and that it's funny right i know that my mental resources are not where they were um two years ago like yeah. i'm nowhere close and it's been nearly a year since that was over nine months or whatever because i just savaged my brain so much by going way too hard for way too long Mm. and um and yeah like i mean i couldn't after that i couldn't work i couldn't focus on anything for more than 15 minutes at a time before i had to lie down and cry you know Mm. and and that's uh that was the first time i'd ever gotten to that kind of side so it's funny that you know that side the the mania side i've always found kind of enjoyable right but yeah. then really frightening do you know because at the time it was frightening because it used to be frightening because it was like i knew that the mania would be followed by a big crash mm. do you know and like a period of being like oh no right so i'd kind of like be like get everything done now while i can right 
Um, and then last year, I was just like, holy shit, what is this? This is something else entirely, mm. you know. Well, I think because I, I have had that same thing lots of times, but I guess to a, maybe a slightly less extent. But I think the trouble with that is when you get into that really hyper fast, like the way I always describe it to people and like when I've had therapy and stuff mm. is it's like my body is constantly trying to catch up with my brain. It's yeah. like I can't move fast enough. You know, it's like I'm always ahead of myself trying to catch myself. Mm. And because it's like... It's a pity that the mic can't see these cool actions yeah, you're doing. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just this, yeah, like never being able to catch myself because I'm going that fast. Mm -hmm. And I do, I find myself a lot catching myself really slipping into that and being like, what are you doing? Like even at home, I'll find myself, I'll suddenly get into, it's like something spikes this adrenaline or this mm -hmm. need to, it's like I feel like I'm suddenly in a rush. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I'll find myself like running from the kitchen to the laundry and putting a wash on, then running back and making a drink and then running back to my room. And then I, I stop myself and I'm like, where am I going? Like I actually have nowhere to go. Mm. Why am I running? But I can get, when I get into it and I don't catch myself, like you say, it can be useful because mm. I get so much done. Like I can get an entire assignment done plus my entire house cleaned plus like food prep for three days plus you know organized for work plus like everything but then for me it's so hard to bring myself down from yeah, that yeah, yeah. that now I've learned that if I find myself going into it it's like that thing like you were saying like oh no because it's always you're always going to come back down and I find when I've been in it for a really long time what's the hardest for me is then like coming back to stillness then I really struggle to stop and be still and be slow and then it can lead to months well it has in the past led to months of me just being in this like crazy panic cycle where even I'll be speaking like this and I'll be kind of and then I forget that I have to breathe and, then, and I'll just be like that mm. for I've been like that for months at a time and then mm. it does crash and I've probably had burnout like two or three times mm -hmm. because I used to just do that constantly mm. and I would just it would be silly but it's like it's like you said it's like I think you said something how you almost enjoyed it yeah. and I know that I definitely found myself in the past really addicted to that feeling because mm. you get you get some kind of rush from that constant high and adrenaline fueled way of being and I remember I used to chase that like I'd wake up at 4am and go to the gym and do like a hit workout and then mm. go to work and then do a full day of work and then go and do this like extra activity for no reason and it's like you get so stuck in this cycle of moving really 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 fast that you never have a chance to actually stop and feel anything there's loads of weird feedback loops as well that really exaggerate that right and I, I totally I totally get what you mean right I completely agree and then like you get all the feedback loops, like you kind of get that dopamine from achieving tasks, right? Yeah. And you get, um, and you also, when people see that level of activity, they'll often praise you, right? Yeah. So then you get like serotonin because, you know, like you're feeling like this is, a praise is like people's affirmation, you mm. know? If people are praising you, then it feels almost like they like me, you know? And uh, I will always end up benchmarking myself against my most productive times yeah. and those most productive times are when I'm on a manic insane streak right yeah. 
So actually, you know, you, you asked me today, you were like, oh, how was work today, right? I was like, eh, it's fine. I had a good day at work. Like yeah. I did a lot today, right? I was working on like really cool projects and I got a lot done, right? Yeah. But because I didn't have like a psychotic day, yeah. do you know, where I knocked it out of the park, I feel like a loser, you know? Yeah. So um, so I feel like, yeah, it's uh, the, the mania side is, it has a very different flavor of danger, but it is, I think, just as dangerous as the, in quotes, depression side mm. of of this whole this whole shindig mm. well we went off on a big tangent that was nothing about depression there but it was about <laughs> the opposite <laughs> but bringing it back to depression you said before that now compared to you in the past you have a much bigger toolkit of things to yeah. use when you do feel like you're going into that depressive state so yeah, if you wanted to share any of those tools that you find useful or how you find they help you, I think that would be really helpful. Sure. Okay. So um, I guess I've got kind of two different toolboxes. Mm -hmm. One is the, the stuff that you do when you're not depressed, right? And you're on a relatively even keel. And that's the stuff that helps you build resilience, right? And then there's the stuff that you do when you are depressed, right? Or when you feel it coming on. So the first one is really just normal kind of building resilience stuff, right? Having a, you know, good habits, right? Not being super self-destructive. And then things like meditation, right? Yeah. Because I hate it when I'm depressed and people tell me to meditate. It's so annoying. There's no way I'm going to be able to start meditating while I'm depressed, right? It's just like unfathomable how difficult that is if you don't already have that habit, yeah. you know? and um or like yoga right like if i'm depressed there's no fucking way i'm starting to do yoga yeah. right but if i've got a habit of meditation and yoga and then i feel depression coming on i can make myself continue and it mm. makes things much better mm. right or even if i can only make myself continue for a while and then it drops off a little bit those brain patterns that i got from those um from those practices and from you know having a healthier body or whatever mm. help me during those bad times um so that's the kind of stuff outside of the depression itself right and then uh the other one the thing that spans both is routine right mm. so like i it's super obvious and everyone knows that you should get sleep right mm. but like really don't get sleep right like I, I find I'm just flabbergasted by how many people I know. I'm like, what time do you go to bed? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like one, do yeah. you know? And like they have jobs, right? Yeah. Or somebody I was talking to you today was saying he gets up at 4 a.m. And I was like, whoa, insane. What time do you go to bed? And he was like 11. I'm like, yeah. this is just like, that's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's going to lead you to so many problems. You're going to create problems for yourself, right? Yeah. And... So I would say that like routine sleep being the absolute bedrock and then other forms of bodily health in health in, in nutrition and exercise um, would like if you have those three on a relatively even like good kind of basis, then like inside and outside of depression, you don't let them slip like real bad for real long, then your depression is going to have so much less of a sharp edge, mm. do you know, and you'll be able to 
handle it so much better and your resilience will be so much better. But I have a kind of emergency, I call it the regimen, right? Mm. For when I am feel like depression really coming to slap me, right? Yeah. And that's where I going into it, I will sometimes kind of stage it a little bit because like suddenly changing very rapidly is... Um, is sometimes a bit too much mm. but um but yeah i'll go in and for example i have a super super strict diet um that is absolutely no processed food whatsoever like absolutely no refined sugar whatsoever uh no al- no substances of any kind no alcohol no whatever right um n- uh as well as that uh no stimulants like coffee Mm. right now that one i can't just go like 100 percent to zero because i will go nuts right um and then i'll just kind of work down to like also then no um no like i don't know fucking simple carbohydrate no white bread shit like that right and the the worse the depression is the kind of further along that route i'll go and then also like making sure I, I don't do any like super heavy exercise when I'm really depressed because I find the like kind of depletion of mm. that to just be a bit too much for me. Yeah. But I do a lot more light exercise. Mm. So like one to three K runs, you know, short swims, short whatever is stuff that like doesn't also compound in difficulty. Mm. Like, you know, I don't have to be near people. Yeah. If I don't want to. right or like i don't have to do something unpleasant i don't have to go somewhere i don't have to pay for things because sometimes paying for something when i'm depressed annoys me in some way because i know i'm not going to get like value out of it like you know i don't i don't know what i mean by that but yeah i don't know yeah it's like you're going to be there not enjoying being there anyway or like i might cut and run after five minutes right so it's like, what's the point in going and spending my money and then that being something that bothers me later? Exactly. Spend the money and then it makes it worse. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. And if you're tight on funds, then it's a yeah. kick in the teeth, right? Um, so those things would be like very radical things that I would do first of all when I'm uh, feeling a depression spiral come on. Mm. Um, not because they're going to fix my depression, right? But because I know I can't fix my depression unless I do those things first, mm. right? After that, I'll book myself a therapy appointment. I, I've been regularly in therapy for two and a half years now. Mm. I'd say on and off. Uh, yeah, sometimes I take a mm. couple of months break. Um, but if I'm on a break and I feel depression coming on, I'll, I'll book therapy immediately. Mm. And it doesn't matter where I am in the world, or my therapist will do it anywhere, which mm. is great. Um, I also let people know. Yeah. So I don't let them know because. I want them to fix me Mm. or to do anything, right? Mm. I let them know because I might let them down in some way, right? Like I'm going to be less productive at work. Mm. I'm probably not going to be as prompt answering social messages. Mm. If I make a commitment to you and I don't show up, then I'm sorry, that might happen, right? Mm. I'll try to give you warning and not be a complete shithead in that way, Mm. but it's possible, right? So I don't explicitly say all these things, yeah. but I tell people like, I'm not doing so good right now. I'm just giving you a warning, like time and I might need a bit of time, might need a bit of space, yeah. um, whatever, right? And some people are um, react to that in different ways. So sometimes people will say like, to give you a lot of unsolicited advice, mm. you know, whatever they mean well, but um, 
might not be very helpful. Yeah. Uh, some people will kind of, you know, um, back off a lot. You know, some people will will react weirdly because mm. they're uncomfortable with mental health mm. struggles. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Yeah. And then the most useful reaction is, uh, I'm really sorry, that sucks. If there's anything I can do, let me know. Mm. And almost inevitably I go, nope. Right. But very yeah. occasionally I'll go, could you pick up X for me or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I probably have other things, but... Um, they're kind of your main... That'd be the main stuff, yeah. Exercise is an enormous regulator, but I think that's more for me than for others. Like it's not, it seems to affect me more than most mm. people. And because they all sound super useful and super helpful things to implement also before and just as a regular in your life. Yeah. Um, But when, let's say, you're in a really deep depressive episode like the kind where you know you can't get out of bed or you just don't yeah. want to be near anybody or yeah. you feel like there's just no point in doing anything ever like life is just terrible is there anything that you feel like you can do or is it a case of just like wait for that to pass well it's interesting you say wait for that to pass and the one thing that gets me through is knowing it's ended every time so far and it will end do you know? Um, and you don't feel like it's going to end. Mm. It feels like this is how I am now. Do you know? Um, but um, but yeah. So I, if I'm in that deep, what I do first is I swim down, right? So like you really go for the kind of cathartic. Don't like at that point I don't reject it, right? Because I'm like fucking mm. trying to fight this. It's stronger than me, mm. right? There's no way. So I go for catharsis. You know, I'll, um, I lie there in bed, I put on shit sad music mm. and I just go for like complete wallowing in it. Right. Mm. But I'll only do that for a short amount of time. And then I'm like, okay, that has been like, there's been a lot of emotional release there. Mm. Could be that was what I needed, you know, mm. right. Maybe that was it. And I don't really need to do that anymore. Right. If mm. it happens, it happens. Right. And then I'll try to do things that like, okay, I know I like or I know are good for me, right? Mm. So it's like, okay, there's got to be one or the other. Do you know if I'm doing, like, so that means like completely avoiding phones, mm -hmm. right? Like, and things like that, because I know that that's, I don't really enjoy it. And it's a little dopamine hits, but it's not mm. good, right? And it's terrible for me, right? Yeah. Like absolutely going to savage my brain. Yeah. And, um, and then I will do things like for me, books have been like my lifelong friend savior whatever right mm. and so the last time i was feeling real miserable was um i wasn't i wouldn't say it was like a major depression but it was the closest i've come this year uh a couple of months ago right yeah. and that was like real overwhelm whatever right and in that situation i went i want to experience somebody experiencing something way worse than i'm dealing with Right. Mm -hmm. So I read Primo Levi's If This Is A Man, which is like an account of the Holocaust. Okay. Right. And it was just so bleak and grim. And I just lay there in bed doing I took a day off work, I took a sick day. Yeah. Um, and I just lay there in bed and read that for the entire day. Mm. Do you know, I got like I'd leftover foods I didn't cook for myself. I did nothing, didn't yeah. leave the house and read that book. And it was uh, so bleak and dark and stuff that I kind of came out of that. And then when I finished the book, 
um, the kind of coming back to myself, which you always have to do when you finish any book, sad or not, yeah. you know, you spend that process of restoring to this new version of yourself that's been created from having read this piece of art. And uh, in doing that, I kind of came back and I was like, I'm doing a lot better than Primo Levi, right? Yeah. Um. So, so I guess in, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of rambled there quite a lot. No, yeah, I guess. No, you are answering it. It's just, it's what do you do, or is there anything you can do when you're really stuck in that? Yeah. Like when yeah. it's really bad, when you just don't want to do anything at all, and you're in it. Yeah. And yeah. you kind of have answered it. It's kind of. Yeah. To allow yourself some space to just be in it, rather than trying to completely push it away and ignore it, because yeah, yeah. at a certain point you can't. And and it's funny as well because I. I, I also don't like the maximum of just talk, you know, right? Like, I mean, I, I think talking is super good, but like you have to talk to somebody who has the mental resources to listen to you and the training and the whatever, right? And mm. for example, I find talking to close friends and family to be really useful, but not then, mm. right? I cannot, if I tell somebody like one, because they're going to hear in my voice how bad things are and be really worried, right? Mm. And then I'm worried about them being worried and then I'm trying to rush my recovery so that they feel better yeah. right do you know and and sometimes when people are like do you know just focus on you don't do anything just whatever right like I would have done that anyway yeah. but because they're telling me to do that I suddenly feel pressure uh, do you know so I kind of and this is just me personally is if things are real bad I need a little bit of time of keeping it to myself you mm. know and like taking stock of the situation before I reach out for any kind of support or help, mm. do you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So then, because there's kind of like a, a parallel there, because it's like you said, one of the things that you always will do is to tell people just to communicate so that they can nearly just understand and not necessarily make allowances, but I guess in some way make allowances for you being not quite yourself in those moments and in yeah. those times. But at the same time saying that sometimes you don't want to talk to anyone or tell anyone what's going on. So is that like for, like you want a day? Like it's, in it's, terms of practicalities, <sighs> let's say you're due to go into work tomorrow. Tonight you get hit with a severe depressive episode what does that look like in terms of taking some time for yourself to look at how you're feeling, to check how you are before you go and communicate that to others? Depends when I catch myself. Mm. So if I normally, for me, I start feeling like not great, then I'm feeling worse, then I'm feeling bad, then I'm suddenly feeling super bad and that accelerates quite quickly. If I catch myself in the early part, that's a lot kind of smoother, yeah. right? And goes down like in a, like I can follow the trajectory a little mm. bit. Whereas, and, and that's when I can communicate and like being like, oh, I feel a bit of shit stuff coming yeah. on, right? And then you might even be able to nip it in the bud, yeah. right? But if I don't catch myself, then I'll suddenly find myself like in the thick of it, mm. in the worst stuff, right? And that's when I just cannot communicate, right? So, I mean, it, it's also learned, right? It's mm. a learned behavior because I've had it where I'll reach out to somebody who's very, very close to me. I'll go like, you know, I'm... Um, in deep shit you know and they'll go what's wrong and it's very hard to vocalize mm. but you know you're kind of just like well the world is ending yeah right and then they're like do i need to, do you need medical intervention right yeah. 
Do you know? Which is just the last thing that you need. Yeah. In, this. It, it, in my in my case, right? Yeah. Some people do actually need that kind of intervention. So, um, so yeah, I would say it depends depends when I catch it. Mm. Oh, and the other thing that I do that I didn't mention at all is poetry. So I I think that um, yeah, I kind of didn't talk about this at all. But artistic expression. Uh, my personal opinion is that in society we've divided people into well these are the people who do art and then this is everyone else right which is like insane right like art is what humans make when they're being creative and um and everyone should make art you know you don't show it to anybody at any point or you can or you can do whatever with it right but the process of making art i think is such a deeply connected to what makes us humans you know and um and I find that like making art when you are or aren't depressed, all the best poetry I've ever written is when I'm shit depressed, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I find that like that is really really helpful and also makes me come to terms with the fact that I'm a person who experiences a lot of depression mm. um, because I have these um, these little bits of these little groups of words that have come out of my brain at times in my life that I never would have produced at any other time. Mm. Do you know, it's funny. I'm trying to justify my depression via productivity. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what's really interesting is because it's like you read my mind because the question I was going to ask you was, have you ever considered your depression from the standpoint of what has it given you? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things obviously that it's mm, given you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? uh yeah more empathy i would say um especially with well obviously with depression sufferers but also just with people who um have general mental health problems or just struggling a lot in one way or another um because yeah i guess i've I've experienced what it's like to just not be okay for pretty protracted periods of time and how even within the confines of just depression that can vary so wildly and affect me in so many ways and like how sometimes you're just not able to do stuff and it's barely you're kind of barely existing you know so so I think empathy for sure and then also bit of resilience maybe do you know mm. which is funny because i uh for years i felt um i felt like it was very much kind of a weakness mm. do you know and i felt that it was like every time do you know because like there's this myth right that when we get like physically sick it makes us stronger but it yeah. doesn't it makes us weaker right like you, every time you get sick it's worse for your immune system mm. and um I felt like depression was the same as that. Like every time I'm depressed, I feel a bit weaker or whatever. Yeah. But I think because it, you're spending a lot of time in um, seeing the world from a different perspective. So it's also maybe useful for being able to switch perspectives a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's also just associated with the fact that whenever I'm depressed, I read a lot and that really changes your perspective. Yeah. So it was nice to hear that one of the things you go to is reading because for me which as I said it hasn't been very often because normally I tend to anxiety rather than depression but in the times I have been the things that I've done has been like completely numb myself out or watch like 
series on repeat that are just brain numbingly crap just because I'm like I can't the thought of picking up a book would be just the worst possible thing for me to do because I would not be able to focus on it you know it's it was nice to hear that books are something for you that's helpful um so I I said or I asked you what depression has given you and you've explained the things that it's given you but I also wondered if you've ever looked at it from kind of another lens of what has it given you like I've considered so I did a podcast a few weeks back about um chronic illness and Mm -hmm. I spoke about my eczema and I've something that I've started to think about recently because for years and years and years I was real victim in that and I just thought of it completely as this is just this has just harmed me and it's done me no good and it's just been crap 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 non-stop and then I started to look at it from the viewpoint of like what has it given me like why not so much what has it given me but like why did I choose as in I just was curious to look at it from that perspective why did I choose to bring that into my life or to experience that like Mm. what was my reasoning behind what does it give me in that way? Like, mm-hmm. what do I gain from it? And what I've realized is what I gain from when I have a really bad eczema flare up and autoimmune stuff starts coming up. What it gives me is I have to stop Enforced because I'm constantly going and I have to accept help because I'm mm. very much, well, I've gotten a lot better over the years, but used to never be able to accept help from anyone or tell anyone I was struggling. And it's like when I'm really sick, I don't have a choice. I just can't do things for myself and I actually need people to help me. Yeah, so yeah. I wondered if you've looked at it ever from that point of view or yeah, perspective. Yeah, uh, well, I guess like from the shit things, there are some good things that have come out of it. Like one is that for me, depression is very intrinsically tied to self-worth, right? Like when I, I've never feel more unworthy than when I'm depressed right um and it took me a long time to realize that was largely due to the fact that when I'm depressed I'm completely unproductive right Mm. and that my self-worth is totally tied to my productivity right but in response to that when I'm not depressed I totally go gung-ho at things to um to be to try to feel worthy right so that's not a healthy cycle yeah. right but if you were to look at anything that i've gotten from that i've achieved a lot of stuff right mm. like i've did three degrees i've had four jobs whatever and also like i'm pretty bodily healthy mm. do you know and like i don't have a aside from you know the i was gonna say i don't have a very unhealthy mind but maybe this is not true <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say aside from the gamut of mental health problems that I experience I'm pretty healthy in my mind um, uh, yeah I don't know okay let's say I'm, I continue to be on a improving trajectory of mental health th- throughout the last couple of years mm. and I would say a lot of that is because so maybe forcing me to take care of myself in a bigger sense mm. right and to have that kind of um resilience mindset and growth mindset during the times when i'm able to grow yeah do you know um and part of that i think is um because you have these times where you're so limited 
Do you know where you just can't do anything? Mm. And then you feel real grateful when you can do stuff, you know? Yeah. Like last year, I had an accident where I lost a ton of my skin, right? Like maybe like 5% of my skin, right? Something like that. That sounds so wild. Yeah, it was real gross, right? <laughs> my skin. Yeah, it was real gross. But do you want to see the scars? Like? I've seen the scars. <laughs> um, and you're really grateful for skin, uh. you know, when it goes and then comes back. Do you know? Like, I'd never looked down at that arm and be like, really glad this has got skin on it, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. And um, I guess that if you if you never experienced losing a bunch of skin, you don't know how great it is to have skin, right? And in that... You've said skin way too many times. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> and, um, and in the same way as skin, um, you're... You know, I think if you never experience a particular mental health problem, you also never really know what it's like to not have that mental health problem because yeah. it's your status quo. Yeah. Do you know? So you're not, you don't have a baseline to separate things out of. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Or you're in, yeah, you know what I meant. Yeah. Mm. If you could go back or talk to the, say, 14 year old self that like, first experienced depression or also anyone who's mm. experiencing depression for the first time is there a piece of advice or something you would tell them depends on any words i've got i mean if if i just like one short thing i just say this too shall pass you know mm. um because it does it goes it passes and you don't you know like you fucking you just always feel like this is it now you know for me anyway like me back then i just kind of thought this is how i'm gonna feel for the rest of my life you know um and that nothing meant anything and you know it was all just pointless and miserable and all those kind of things and it's only somewhat pointless and miserable <laughs> do you know um <laughs> and um yeah i guess you know like as humans we're such weird creatures right mm -hmm. because a lot of it is not about how things are you know it's about how we feel about them yeah do you know so things can be great and you can feel terrible about yeah. them or things can be awful and a lot of stuff about the world right now is really really awful right yeah. um but you can still feel pretty all right about it mm -hmm. you know like you can still enjoy your life quite a lot mm. um look what i'd really love to do is print out a couple of sheets of uh you know advice and bring them back so so i guess that that maybe what i'd say is that it's a very very well documented condition mm. right um there are um a lot of um medical professionals and uh psychotherapists and all that out there in the world who understand it really really well and can help mm. you a lot or whatever approach you take to your own health you know mm. if that's like via dance then go mm. for that you know yeah. right like find a find a therapy that will work for you mm. um whatever that is but there are also a lot of people who deeply misunderstand it right and a lot of them think that they understand it really well yeah. so maybe like go for find help you know in uh, wherever you can find it and don't be afraid of the internet but also take things with a pinch of salt and experiment yeah. and keep looking you know and if yeah. you're trying something and it's not working then most likely it's not the thing for you mm. do you know yeah 
um, and also get lots of sleep. Yeah, get lots of sleep. Don't go to bed at 1am. And, and digital well-being as well, um, which I think in the modern world is something that we should talk about almost as much as we talk about bodily health, mm. right? Um, because right now, the average office worker, right, is spending more than, I think it's, I think it's more than 12 hours a day looking at a screen, right? Gosh. Because they spend nine hours a day looking at their computer, right? And then I've read, and this seems insane, but I've read that the average person spends four hours a day looking at their phone. That's not insane. That's low for a lot of people. Is it? Oh, yeah. Cause like, when you think about how many people now work, like, as a social media, whatever, influencer or content yeah, creator yeah, or true, digital something, and it's literally everything you do, your phone has to be there. Everything you do, well, not has to, but for a lot of people, yeah, that's yeah, their yeah, main yeah. income. It's like a lot of the day. If you're going for a walk, your phone's with you on that walk. If you're everything. And and that's it, right? So like when when we look at those things, it's no longer like something that's a part of your life. It is your life mm. now, right? So like, okay, we can rail against that a lot and go like, this is so unnatural. Don't live this way, whatever, right? Or you can say, all right, if you're going to live that way, which many, many people are, you know, the, the invasion of screens into our world then you can develop healthier habits relating to that technology mm. right and um i just came across a super super nice podcast about this there's a, there's a podcast called slow-mo where it's like it's an interview podcast as well right yeah, and you told um, me about it last week yeah and there was an interview with a guy who's like a digital well-being researcher or whatever anyway i just bought this pack of like 50 cards from it, I brought them into our office and we take one out every week and we read it out and like put it up on our thing or whatever. And it's like some different digital well-being habit. And some of them are like super useless, but some of them are super, super useful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, not looking at your phone for two hours before you go to bed. Pretty yeah. obvious, right? But have your phone on grayscale all the time, you know, yeah. right? Like the, um, and then other ones like not looking at any, um, stuff for a period of time after you get up in the morning until you've done certain activities yeah. because you're not like firing your limbic system yeah do you know you're not yeah. you're not creating your fight or flight response from having read the news at 6 a.m or whatever yeah. you know right or even just like scrolling instagram or something it's like you don't even realize how much it's getting into your brain and how much this like comparison and thinking that you need to live your life a different way or a certain way until you just catch yourself thinking about something that you're like, well, how did I get influenced by that? Or why yeah, did I yeah. think? And then you remember, oh, I saw something online a few days ago. Or I heard another thing of, you know, that how common it is for people to roll over in bed and pick up their phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even find, like, because I'm really conscious about it, I try not to do that ever. But if I've got my alarm on, I'll switch my alarm off. And so often I just automatically click into an app. And then I have to be like, no. And it's, um, they say it's so clock. important to go and actually go outside and get your eyes into the daylight because yeah, it yeah. actually sets your circadian rhythm up properly yeah, yeah. because if the first thing you're doing is looking at artificial light, it mm -hmm. just messes everything up. And do you know, actually, that's funny, right? Because 
I actually didn't even think about this in terms of the habits that I do. And when, when I was talking about the broad path of my life and it, its relation to depression, I would say a really, really significant part for me that I only realized in the last two years, looking back, how much of a difference it made is that about when I six years ago, something like that, just around the time when I was like really getting better at like depression what coincided with that time i quit all social media mm. so i i have i think i have a, a linkedin right yeah. and like whatsapp but whatsapp's are communication it's basically a messenger right yeah and not having social media for me is huge mm. and it's funny right because i'm like a social pariah for not having instagram right there's so many things i miss out on socially or whatever yeah. but it's like a hundred percent worth it for me and yeah. i would never dream of starting a social media again because my brain just can't take it yeah i mean it's really interesting because i it's something that i've fought against for so long and there was years where i've had nothing or i haven't even had a smartphone like i've had a brick yeah, phone yeah. for so long and i really part of me just did not want any of it but to be honest the only reason i ended up going and getting social media again and getting facebook and getting instagram was because of business yeah, because yeah, of my yeah. business and it was just because it was actually too hard mm -hmm. to get any sort of reach just just being in person yeah because yeah. i mean so many factors but the area that i live on and the saturation of all the things that i offer in the area that i live and um yeah it's really hard to do business in a non-traditional way without social media i think unless you have in a non-traditional you mean a traditional in, way no like as in um oh, you mean like not a brick and mortar yeah not yeah, like okay, a, okay. you know you're going into an office job where you're yeah, going yeah, yeah, into a yeah, shop you, or you, whatever sorry, sorry. it's so difficult and i've i've said before i think the only way it could potentially work is if you live in quite a small tight-knit community mm. that doesn't have really what you're offering mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. only has a, a sh small amount of it and then you just get everyone gets to know you word of mouth and i know word of mouth is the best way for business to always grow but honestly i just feel like in today's world it's so hard Social without power. it yeah yeah and like and sorry yeah. just to finish and also um the benefits or um the opportunities that we can get from social media once it's built up in a certain way of being able to mm -hmm. work from home and mm -hmm. work from remote and work distance yeah, throughout yeah, the world yeah. and have all these extra opportunities that that's the payoff for me it's like i don't love social media it's still very awkward for me i find it really hard to share about mm -hmm. things online because if it was my normal day-to-day -day life i never did I, mm -hmm. I had facebook and i had instagram and i shared a post like once every six months or something you yeah, know yeah, yeah. but now because i have to use it for my business i'm on it so much more than i would like to be yeah, yeah, and i have yeah. to figure out better ways of having better limits around it where i pick it up and i just do the one thing i have to do and then get rid of it again but mm. it's so addicting that it's so hard to actually do that once you've got it i'll give you this pack of cards and then like one of those things was that i've a i frequently put a sticker onto my phone that just says the word intention so mm. i pick it up and i go 
oh, ah, what was my intention? Mm. And if I can't figure out what my intention was, I don't open the phone. I just put it yeah. back down. Yeah. You know? um, but just funny when you were talking about that kind of non-traditional business or whatever, like I lived in Madeira for six months, right? And like Madeira was just like programmers, life coaches and yoga teachers, right? Yeah. It's like the three most common jobs there, right? Yeah. So aside from the programmers, it was like kind of very, not a lot of like people doing non-traditional business and stuff, right? Uh, I say programmers, I mean techies, right? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of spiked a couple of memories there. So I had a housemate there who deep major depression and enormous sleeping problems, mm. right? And totally fed into each other. Like really, really nice guy, actually, mm. like a super nice Dutch guy. Um, but I kind of went into a bit of a wobble um, when I was there as well. And um, my girlfriend at the time was traveling and we kind of, we were like, fuck, like, what can we do? You know, and we were like, one, one day we just sat down to watch some bullshit on TV or whatever, right? And started watching this thing called Human Playgrounds about people like doing weird adventure kind of sport game yeah. things or whatever, right? And then we just decided like, do you know what? We're only living here for another two weeks, mm -hmm. right? What if we just get up every morning super, super early and just have an adventure yeah. every morning before mm -hmm. work, right? Yeah. And just whatever the time it was, we had no other commitments, we had no other whatever, right? And every morning we would just meet at quarter to six beside our door, mm -hmm. right? And just go and like run in the dark with head torches along a cliff or yeah. like... Okay, I don't necessarily advocate for danger, but um, but or go like jumping into the sea in the dark, or you know, just all of this kind of you know, really really adventurous stuff. Yeah. And in that instance, that really helped his depression and mm. nipped my negative spiral in the bud. Yeah. So it was funny that like what what really saved me there was just enormous um, routine shakeup and feeling like I was enjoying a period of my day that I normally don't enjoy that much yeah do you know yeah and I think in situations like that because I definitely feel that I'm somewhat of an adrenaline junkie yeah and I feel like when you've experienced any sort of like really challenging mental health things that make you just think life is just really hard and really yeah, painful yeah. and really crap at times going out and doing things like that that are so different and so exciting and mm -hmm. so just like change every change your whole day and shock your shock your way of being i feel like they just remind you of what what's possible in life yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, what's yeah. crap in life mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's funny right like sometimes um you get into that especially in the overwhelm mm. right because you've got this like enormous list of things to do and you feel yourself falling behind right yeah. and often the instinct is push through get it done because then you won't have this stuff overwhelming you yeah right but so often that's so much worse because you can't get as much done as you think you would in that time you try more time that breaks out more and then you're just starting a burnout spiral right yeah so but if instead you just like make some excuses to people take time for yourself go do something completely different have a little adventure that's not super strenuous on you you know yeah. and then have a little bit more time after that to process it and then you come back and then you're fine you know yeah. and you can actually get back on top of it and you know get more done over the that plus a little bit of time back at work or whatever mm -hmm. it is that you do than you would have done if you just plowed through and then you ended up at the end not feeling like complete crap yeah yeah 100 percent 
I had a question which I feel we might make one of our last questions. Um, what can you say? Because for me, I have known lots of people in my life and closely surrounding me that have had depression or have been in periods yeah. of depression for quite a while. And I know as the outsider looking in, it's so challenging because like you said, you're worried, but you also want to help, but you also don't want to step overstep and you also want to give resources and want to help someone, but you also know that everyone has their own process. And it's really hard to support someone who's navigating depression. And I wondered, I guess, if you could give like the ideal support to help how you can help someone who is experiencing depression what would that look like to you no it's going to be different for each person but... mm-hmm. um it funny enough that reminds me of the arlo park song black dog okay, right it's a, it's a song about trying to look after somebody who has depression right and just the misery of that experience because i've also been in that boat of being the supporting person and um yeah it's really nice i'll play for afterwards but um i guess first of all it is super individual right um common thread stuff i think like it's really hard when you're depressed to effectively look after your physiological needs mm. right and i find it incredibly difficult to organize things okay. right and in all parts of life depression or otherwise lots of stuff needs to be organized right so um i actually find that if somebody there is able to go like all right what are you not able to do what's t- what is too much mm. do you know or maybe like out of all of your daily tasks just put these on a scale of things like these are the ones i feel i'm okay with these ones are in the middle and these ones that are the hardest right Mm. and then if you look at that and go okay this person has put six things that are very difficult for them to do Mm. right and then you look at it and go of these six things three of them are very easy for me to do yeah right do those three for them Mm. don't try to do the six because if you try to do three things for them that are also very hard for you, then you're going to burn out your own resources and then not be able to help them and not be able to help yourself. And then it's going to be difficult for them and then you'll resent them and then they'll, mm. you know, so that's not good. Right. Mm. But if you can help them in a way that's impactful for them and not impactful for you. Right. Mm. The second thing is make sure that your um, it's, a, it's a reflection of the same thing, but make sure that you have your own support network. Mm. Right. Help that person to have their support network and you know etc but make sure that you are supported so that you you know so that you know where your own boundaries are where your own limits are Mm. do you know it's like you can't give somebody water from your well if your well is empty Mm. you know um and so i would say that like one of the key things in giving support are uh knowing what kind of support you can and can't give Mm. and being really really honest in that way right because as a person who is experiencing depression in that time as well if somebody says to me i have absolutely no problems helping you in any way whatsoever what do you need i will go nothing please don't help me right because there's no way that's true Mm. right whereas if somebody says to me um what do you need and i say i really need um 
shopping done for me because when I'm depressed, I find supermarkets to be overwhelming. Um, I really need you to help me take my bins out because right now I'm just finding that like too much and I need to book these train tickets to go somewhere. Mm. Right. And they go, I'll help you with the train tickets and I'll get your shopping, but I'm not taking your fucking bins out. Right. I would much rather that because then the next time that they offer me help, I'll know that they're being honest about what's within their limits and I don't feel like I'm asking too much of them and I don't feel like I'm being a burden Mm. because that feeling of being a burden is a horrible aspect of depression. Mm. Do you know, when you feel like I know I'm being difficult for this person to help. Yeah. Do you know? So, so I think, I don't, I don't know if I answered your question there. Yeah. Like being, being honest, I think, and then doing the stuff that's, that is in within your power to do. And then, when, and, and also situations can change yeah. do you know so if you say to somebody uh i can help you out doing these things and then it goes three weeks four weeks they're still depressed you should be able to turn around to that person and say i can no longer do this for you right now i need some time to recuperate in my way yeah. right if you're able to find somebody else who can take over for you then fine but if you can't then you're just they're no worse off than if you weren't there in the first place yeah do you know and like, let's say you have a situation where someone you know, or someone close to you, or a friend, or someone who lives with you, someone like that is is really depressed or yeah. is experiencing a particularly bad time of depression. Obviously, part of it is if it gets really bad, it's reaching that point where it's like physically not being able to do anything, just wanting to lie in bed, be alone, be yeah. in dark, can't do anything. Like as a supportive person how long do you feel like it's helpful to kind of give someone their time to wallow to sit sit in it and then at what point is it like harmful to continue to leave someone to stew in it rather than to kind of not push but try and coax them out yeah depends what else they're doing right because like full wallow right where like they're not showering they're not you know looking after themselves they're not eating unless you bring the food to them and put the spoon in their hand and you know whatever Mm. that kind of stuff right like at some point you just got to go this is not good right like you got to pull them out of this and and intervene a little Mm. bit right so like i mean i'm talking days right like if that's the case but if it's like they have changed their diet they're doing a little bit of exercise that they can do every day they're doing what they can to have a good sleep they're talking to somebody at whatever regularity they can afford Mm. you know maybe financially or time-wise or whatever and they're keeping track with whatever else they need to do in that instance Mm. and they're still feeling really really shit then um i wouldn't put a time frame on my where my help starts and ends Mm. not for their sake let's say Mm. i would only do that for my sake do you know so i might go oh i'm here for you right now in a week's time i gotta go do something else for a bit you know and then come back and see how they're doing and do you know and like some people are depressed for really long Mm. times you know but i think that personally the and this is not true of everyone but i think many 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 of the stories particularly in the past of people who are like depressed their entire lives Mm. right um i think that's like 
trauma response and yeah. just like society not having the tools to deal with people's traumas and yeah you know because i don't think that there are many people who will just get a depression that comes from nothing that lasts you know their whole lives mm. or whatever um whereas we have so many stories of that mm. like especially among artists and stuff yeah you know okay well is there anything that you would like to say just to finish off is there anything that you feel like you haven't shared or that you would want to say before we finish and close um i think i'd just like to say uh thanks so much for having me on here and for talking so openly about so many topics um i think that it's i'm really really enjoying listening to your podcast and hearing so many perspectives and hearing yeah like all of these different kinds of topics also being dealt with in a similar way with a common thread and stuff like that mm. so i think it's really really lovely and a wonderful wonderful thing that you're doing so i just wanted to, to say that and say that i love you very much thank you love you too <laughs> um and to tell people yeah like if you're in a depression right now it won't always be the way it is right now mm. and get some sleep perfect i like that that's a nice way to end so thank you so much for taking your time for being on here and as well for sharing so honestly and openly because for me this whole podcast which i'll continue to say is all about just having conversations that a lot of people don't want to have or mm -hmm. don't want to hear and mm -hmm. i think the more that we talk and share stories and experiences um it just starts to remove and break the stigma you know and then anyone who does experience these, these things feels less alone and has better tools to cope yeah so with that we're going to leave it there for today thank you so much everyone for listening and i will talk to you again next week bye Bloop. thank you for listening to no time for small talk if you enjoyed this episode please like subscribe share and leave a review Remember to follow our Instagram, No Time for Small Talk, for extra resources and to be the first to hear about upcoming guests or events. If you would like to connect or find out more about my work, you can find me on Instagram at Ruma Integrative or by emailing ruma-connect at outlook.com. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye for now.